Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. The Outpouring is a vibrant, Christ-centered church in sunny Orlando, Florida. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message by Pastor John Daniels. Welcome to the Outpouring on Resurrection Sunday. My name is Pastor John. I'm the lead pastor of this wonderful church we call the Outpouring of Orlando. We are so excited that you would be with us this morning, even if you are joining us Online, We want to just welcome you to our online community on this Resurrection Sunday. If this is your first time joining us online and you've never been to our church before, we're just as excited to have you join us online as we would be if you were here with us physically. Man, these are strange times because we are so used to gathering regularly on Sundays, but man, especially on Easter Sunday. And so, uh, man, I miss all of my church Folks, I miss all of my church family, man, and we can't wait to see you all again. I've been praying for you, and I hope that you've been praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I'm excited uh, to join you today for Resurrection Sunday. I think God is going to speak to us uh, on today, and I just pray that you would be edified. Uh, If you are in the house, if you got roommates or you have people that, that live with you, man, Tell them to come and join you uh, on this Resurrection Sunday. Tell them to uh, sit next to you so they can watch with you on the phone or on the laptop or wherever. I I just want everybody to join together and make this a family affair. And so without further ado, if you have a Bible, I want you to grab the Bible uh, and grab the Bible with with, with me and turn to uh, Lamentations. That's right. Lamentations. That's in the Old Testament, and it comes after a book called Jeremiah. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Lamentations. I do want to say this, man, I want to encourage everyone to continue to pray uh, about everything that is going on in our country and this new normal that we are having to uh, adjust to and grow comfortable with. And so I just want you guys to continue to pray for all the people that are out there on the front lines in the medical field, in the service industries, the law enforcement folks, politicians. Pray that God would keep them, that God would protect them. Pray that God would allow them to lead with wisdom. Pray that God would allow them to serve with wisdom. And we want to pray for all the people that have been impacted by this, whether people have been infected by it personally or people that have had loved ones that have been impacted by COVID-19. We are praying for you. We are praying for them. And so I just want to ask all of you to continue to pray for these people. Pray for all of those in our country that are being affected by this and those that are around the world. Well, if you got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3, and we'll be reading verses 22 through 24. Now, typically at our church on a normal Sunday, we would all read the scriptures together. And so we are missing a wonderful opportunity to just have to read Three short verses on the Sunday. Typically, my church is standing up for 10 hours reading 21 verses because if anybody messes up, I make them start all over again. And so if you are there at home, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to read. I'm reading from uh, the CSB version, Lamentations, chapter three, verses 22 through 24. I want you to read along with me and read just like you are in church on a Sunday morning. And here's what it says. Lamentations three. Verses 22 through 24 says this, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish 
for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Would you pray with me today? Father, we celebrate you on today, God. We celebrate you on today. God, we didn't foresee this happening, that we wouldn't be able to join together on this Resurrection Sunday, God. But nevertheless, God, we are united in spirit on today, God. And so, Father, I pray that the same spirit, the same synergy that we would have if if we were together uh, in churches all across the country, I pray that we can feel the same thing while we are online. And so, Father, I pray today that that today would be supernatural, God. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would edify us, that you would encourage us. God, I even pray that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. God, I pray that that you would give us a great hope, God, in your word and in your son. And so today, God, I pray that this word would be a word of healing, a word of peace, a word of grace, a word of encouragement for your people. And so, Father, I pray today that we would tune out all of the distractions for, for these few moments that we have together to study your word. And Father, I pray that you would do work on our hearts. And we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God, right where you are, said amen. My sermon title on this Resurrection Sunday is Great is His Faithfulness. Great is His Faithfulness. On April 6th, just a few days ago, U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams gave remarks regarding the effects of COVID-19 and what those effects would do or would have on America in coming weeks. And what he said was not, his announcement was not something that's unusual because recently he has been speaking and giving remarks in light of the impact of the virus. However, the remarks on April 6th struck a more ominous tone than previous weeks. During an interview with Fox News, Surgeon General Adams said something that should have sent shockwaves through those that were watching watching and listening. He stated this, this is going to be the hardest and saddest week of most American lives. This is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment, our 9-11 moment. It's going to be localized. It's going to be happening all over the country. And I want America to understand that. As of today's message, the total deaths globally is hovering around 90,000 deaths. And here in the United States of America, we are approaching approaching 15,000 deaths. But because we have so much access to the news on our phones, on our television, on the radio, We can become desensitized to what this actually means, to to see in in real time that there could be over 100,000 deaths in a short amount of time should make all of us shudder. We should not be desensitized to what is really going on. If one person dies, that is too many people dying. But to say that 100,000 people will die is to say so much. We should feel that pain. We should feel Feel that reality that that is an ominous situation, that, that this is scary for most of us. 
And so today with the passage that we read from Lamentations, I want to tell you this about the book of Lamentations. If you've never studied it or, or, or read it before, Lamentations seemingly offers a hopeless reflection on the lowest point in the history of the old covenant community. The fall of Jerusalem and the exile of Judah that happened in 586 B.C. The, the fall of Jerusalem and the exile of its people was, was one of the worst things and the lowest point in the history of the Old Testament people. And so the prophet Jeremiah, who most ascribed the book of Lamentations to, writes this book of agony and suffering from what he has seen and what he has experienced. And so the book of Lamentations, Lamentations just simply means alas or, or, or how, or how it's this uh, uh, agony or, or this suffering tone to it. And so ultimately, Lamentations is a first person testimony of the real consequences of the people's sin. Chapters one, two, four, and five of the book of Lamentations describes the detail of the pain of the people. So most scholars and historians believe that the writer of the book of Lamentations is the prophet Jeremiah, and what Jeremiah is demonstrating to us is not just that he is grieving, but that it's okay to grieve. And I think that's where I want to sit for a moment there. For us that are feeling the pain and are sitting in the reality of what is happening, it is okay to sit in it for a moment. It is okay to deal with the things that bring us pain. Maybe it's not COVID-19, but maybe it's something that you experienced years before. It is okay to grieve and go through what you're going through. That, that it's okay to deal with things now so that they don't come and deal with you later. And most of us don't deal with the pain that we carry around. Most of us have never been to war, but a lot of us have PTSD. And so you don't have to go to Iraq to get PTSD. You don't have to have gone to Vietnam to have PTSD. You could have grown up in a normal suburban household and still suffer from PTSD. And we have to learn as a people how to deal with our pain. I want you to notice something about Jeremiah, about Lamentations. He is reluctant to move forward too fast. And so we've grown accustomed to just scrolling and getting over stuff. We've grown accustomed to just saying, oh, it's all right, I ain't worried about it, I'm walking away from it. But, but I want you to notice something about Jeremiah. He is reluctant to preach or everything will be all right theology. I mean, everything will be all right eventually, but we need to deal with the grief right now. And so as a prophet, as a leader, as a man, he, he actually feels helpless. He feels for his people because he is a leader and there's nothing he can do about what has happened to them. And so Jeremiah does not deny the reality of what is happening. He grieves for real, for real. And so he sits in the loss and the despair of his country and his people. They, they, they have lost what is most valuable to them. They're, they've lost their homeland, their temple, their place of worship. And so for us that are believers that gather uh, on a weekly basis with other saints, this is painful for us. This is a new normal for us. This is not what we are accustomed to. And I think some of us took for granted that we always had the opportunity to come and gather with the saints. And now we're looking back on all the Sundays that we had a headache or that we had a hangnail and we decided not to come to church because we didn't and feel like it. And so this should serve as notice for us that we should not take something like gathering together for granted. 
Now, primarily, our culture does not value the loss of being together in church. But what they do feel the pain of is the normal, losing the normal way of life. The, 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 the people that Jeremiah is talking about, their whole life has been disrupted. And so we have to learn to sit in the reality of what has happened because there is no quick fix. There ain't no quick fix for this. There is no immediate turnaround. Government can't solve it. They can't vaccinate it. They can't cure it. And they can't stimulate it fast enough. And so we must come to face, face to face with what is happening because there is no quick fix. There ain't enough dances and enough challenges. Baby, come give me something. We can't do that enough for it to distract us from the reality of what is happening in our country. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask your grandson or text your son and your daughter and they'll lead it to you on YouTube. So what does this mean for all of us? It means welcome to suffering. Welcome to suffering. Here's what Jesus said about what we're going through. Jesus said this in John 16, verse 33. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace you will have suffering in this world, period. But here's what Jesus continues to say. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. And so this, this leads me to the gospel. I don't have to wait to the end of the message to preach the gospel to you. Here's why we can take rest in this, because Jesus already suffered the penalty of our sins on the cross. He is called the suffering servant because he took our iniquities on and on our sins, dying the death that we should have died. But he died three days later. He came to life. The worst week in history turned into the best week in history. That same Jesus that died for you and I was raised to life and those of us who are in him were raised to life with him. And so what does that mean for us that are believers, for us that have surrendered our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? We suffer differently. We now suffer with a peace and a hope because our suffering follows the path of our great king that overcame sin, death, disease, and the grave. And so when we suffer, we suffer like our king. And so what does that mean? It means that the path to glory must first go through suffering. So God is sovereign over our suffering. He, he does not delight in our suffering, but he does put a purpose in our suffering. And the purpose is this. It displays the glory of God that happened in the suffering of Christ for the salvation of sinners. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, this should be par for the course. It is amazing in just a few short months to see that all the people that had fire and zeal for God just two months ago are now singing a different tune. Job loss, loss of income, and now Jesus and the church ain't looking so attractive. He, he called us to pick up our cross and follow him. But it looks different when Jesus is the one that picks up the cross for you and puts it on your back. And so this is what's happening to us. And so Jesus is expecting us to follow him in this path. Jesus is somewhere saying what the New Testament prophet Sean Carter from the Marshall Project in Brooklyn said in 1998. It was all good just a week ago. And Jesus is wondering, where are all the people that were just following me two short months ago? And so my question then 
If he's not worth following now, what made him attractive before the trial? What made you give your life to him before the pain and before the suffering came? We got to snap out of it and realize, realize that real faith is not on display when everything is right. But tested character is proven in the crucible of life. So maybe God is proving our faith. So although we grieve over our suffering, grief was never meant to be an end in itself. It's okay to grieve, but it's not okay to stay there because we don't suffer like those who don't have hope. And so Jeremiah does not allow his grief to let him get stuck. So let me level with you. Let me be honest. The reason for Israel's suffering was not happenstance. The reason that the people found themselves in this situation is not because God was caught off guard and something happened in the land and God was like, oh, shoot, I got to go to my plan B. God don't have plan Bs. That's for you and I. God is always on plan A. And so God is not like, man, I didn't see this coming. But, but honestly, they are where they are because they refused to acknowledge God as a people. There was a remnant who worshiped him in spirit and truth. But then there were those who went to the temple to worship, but their hearts were far from him. And Jeremiah had warned his people for years that they should turn back to God and quit worshiping false idols, but they refused to listen to him. That they continued to do religious rituals, but they refused to turn and to surrender their hearts. And so the proper response for them wasn't to question God about why is this happening to us? The proper response was for them to repent was for them to turn from their sin and turn, turn towards God. There comes a time when, a peop, when, when as a people we have to do self-examination of where we are in relation to God, individually and corporately. And if you realize that you're out of whack or if we realize that as a people we are far removed from God, the path to restoration and healing is through repentance. And maybe God is calling us to repent, to turn from our sins so that he can heal our land. And so the tension of the text is that Jeremiah and the people know that God is loving, but how do they reconcile his love with his chastisement? And so when you're young and you get a whooping, um, I know some of you don't whoop your children, that's fine. I'm not telling anybody to whoop, whoop their kids. Um, but, but when you grew up in certain geographical locations in the country, in years past, you got a whooping. And as a child, you think that if they whoop me, then they must not love me. But when you get older, you realize that that whooping was a result of the love that your parent had for you. And so the chastisement wasn't because they didn't love you, the chastisement was because they did love you. And so here's the same thing, we're in the same place now. Here's what it says in Romans 8, 18, 18 through 25, to put our suffering and what is happening in the world in context. Here's what it says, Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. It's against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. 
But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And so the reason why a virus can take over the world, the reason why there's hurricanes and famine and all sorts of things is because the creation is groaning. Sin in the world didn't just throw off Humankind sin threw off all of creation. That, that's how powerful sin is, that it threw off all of creation. And so we as believers should not be surprised by what is happening, but it should let us know that there is greater that is coming, that there is a day when there won't be sickness and disease and famine and all of those types of things. There'll be a day when everything that is wrong will be made right. And so when Jeremiah looks back over how faithful God had been in the past, something happened with Jeremiah. And this is where we pick up our text for the day. Jeremiah has a change in his perspective. Here's what he says in verses 22 through 24. Because of the Lord's faithful, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Jeremiah had to intentionally remember the God that he was serving. He had to remember that the same God that brought them out before was the same God that was keeping them alive now. For, for Jeremiah and any of the others to still be alive was not a result of their survival skills. You see, a lot of people lost their lives when this happened to them in 586 BC. A lot of people lost their lives. A lot of people died during that time, but there were some that were still alive and they were not alive because they knew how to survive. They were alive because of God's faithfulness. And we that are alive today in the midst of COVID-19 need to take a moment and realize that we are still here, not because we're wearing masks or staying at home or practicing social distancing. We we are alive because of God's faithfulness and God's goodness. And so God is faithful and God is loyal for his mercies never end. We have not come to the end because his compassion has not come to the end. This is not just how God feels about us. It is who God is and it is what God does for his mercies never end. This should give us hope because we have seen his mercy many times before some of us that are older that are watching right now, you remember what God brought you from in 1971, 72, 75, 79. Some of us remember what God brought us from in 1980 and 19, uh, 1985. Some of us remember what God brought us through in the 90s. Some of us were scared to death at Y2K and we're still here. Some stuff happened to us. Some of us had diseases. Some of us lost some people. Some of us ran out of money and we are still here, not because we're good, but because God is good. And so we have to realize that. And oftentimes we can't appreciate God's mercy because we have confused his grace 
with his mercy. His grace is him giving us what we don't deserve, his salvation, the Holy Spirit, his protection. But his mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve, which is death. In his mercy, he doesn't kill all of us because all of us are sinners. But in his grace, he offers us eternal life. That's good news. That's good news. Uh, Jeremiah said his mercies are new, not just one time. I mean, if they were new one time, that'd be good. But his mercies are new every single morning. Great is his faithfulness. It's almost as if Jeremiah had to narrow down his perspective and take it day by day. Can you imagine that? That if we lived in a culture of people who took it day by day, that if we follow what Jesus said in Matthew 6, that tomorrow has enough worries of it on. Can you imagine if we lived like that? Jeremiah is almost saying, I woke up every day and I had to realize that with the situation I was in alive, that I had an opportunity to appreciate God for that particular day. Some of us, be honest, keep it real, just go ahead and click the heart button when I say this. Some of us are already in August. Some of y'all already off, off, off of the social distancing. Some of y'all already planning what you're going to do in July. Some of y'all already planning on what beach you're going to go to. Some of y'all already planning about how y'all going to make up for the fun that you've lost in these couple months. Be honest. Click, off, click the button. You know you're you know you feeling me. You're already planning where you're going to go, what kind of cruise you're going to go on. You're going to go back on a cruise already. You're not scared. You're going to go on a cruise already. And so some of us are already planning what we're about to do. Some of us are already planning how we're going to spend our money. Some of us are already planning how the turn up is going to be so real. Some of us are already planning about how lit our life is going to be once COVID-19 is over. But we need to realize that we can appreciate God with the same fervor and with the same heart today right where we are. This is what it means to recognize the faithfulness of God and live in the reality that his mercies are new every morning. If you woke up today, if you are watching me on a computer, which means that you had to pay for some sort of internet if you're doing it the legal way, that means that God has been good to you because the internet and cable ain't free. It ain't free. And so, here's what he says, verse 24. He says, I say, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. The Lord is his portion, and therefore he's going to put his hope in God. You see, the people lost a great deal in this whole Ordeal. They had what was called a land inheritance because they were God's people. But because of their rebellion and their disobedience, they lost their land. But Jeremiah had somewhat of an epiphany that in the midst of all the stuff that was lost, all of the houses, the, the job, the way of being, uh, uh, the, the, the money, the finances, he resolved in himself that, wait a minute. I ain't lost everything. I still got the most important thing. I still have a relationship with God. And I want to tell you this, that God is better than anything that we can lose. We cannot lose when we are in him and we endure. We cannot lose him because he won't let us go. We may lose neighbors, friends, co-workers, family members, church members, but God cannot be lost for those that are in him. So yes, you may lose something and yes, you have a right to grieve, but at some point I need you to wipe your tears off and wash your face and get up and say, I still have the Lord. And so that's the attitude that we must have in this day because God is faithful. In Jeremiah, we didn't read this, but Jeremiah says something 
verses 31 through 33, he said this, for the Lord will not reject us forever. That's that's so good and that's so beautiful. God has more grace than we have sin. God has far more patience than we do. For the Lord will not reject us forever, even if he causes suffering. Now I'll let you wrestle with that on your own time. Even if he causes suffering, he will show compassion according to the abundance of his faithful love. For he does not enjoy bringing affliction or suffering on mankind. Ooh, here's the thing that happened to these people. And I'm done. God did eventually bring them out. God did eventually remove them from their trouble. God did eventually free them from their suffering. And the good news is this, God will bring us through this as well. God will deliver us from this as well. It is likely that COVID-19 will end at some point, but even if it does end, that is not what we ultimately should be hoping for. There will be a greater deliverance in the future. Revelation 21 and 4 says this, and I'm done. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed. Away. And so when this doesn't feel normal for us, it should serve as a reminder that we are longing for a place that is not here in this earth. We are longing for a home, which is heaven. And so we can't get so caught up in things being right here because what we are hoping for is something that is to come. And so for every believer, there will come a time and a place where there will be no more sickness, sadness, disease. COVID-19 won't stand a chance because on the cross, Jesus disarmed the rulers and the principalities and he overcame every sickness, every disease, and everything that will separate us from his love. And today, I just want to remind you of this one simple point, that God is so faithful. God is so good. Great is his faithfulness. And I'm so glad it says great is his faithfulness. Not great is our faithfulness because our faithfulness is faulty. Our faithfulness is up one day, down the next. But even in our unfaithfulness, God is faithful. Who? Who wouldn't want to worship a God like that? And so if you're watching me today and you believe that salvation is through works. (laughs) That if you just do a good deed, or if you do good deeds consistently, that you'll be in the clear if there is a heaven. The truth of the matter is, we can't do do enough good deeds to earn God's favor. To be saved... We can't rest in our own works, but we must trust in the finished work of Jesus. We celebrate his resurrection, which is the seminal moment in human history. That God interrupted our regularly scheduled programming sent his son 
to save us. And so for those of you that say, I don't think that's necessary. I don't think it takes all that. I'm not good enough. I still love my sin. I like my way of life. I'll get it right in enough time. Even if you had another thousand years, you won't get it right. But you must put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And so today I want to invite you to respond to the call of the gospel. If you're new to this, you grew up in church, but you never really understood what the gospel is. The gospel is simply this, that we are all sinners. But God sent his son to die for our sin on the cross. That he took on our sin. And something happened. He gave us his righteousness. The Bible calls that justification. That we are right with God, not because of what we've done or how good we can be, but we're saved because of what Christ has done for us. That is the most gracious thing that has ever happened. And so today I want to invite you to put your trust in him. I don't care if you're 45, 50, 48, 72, 18, 30, 25, college degree, no college degree. Rich, poor, black, white, doesn't matter. The invitation is for all. So I want to pray before the singers come. Father, we thank you today that we can celebrate you on this Resurrection Sunday. We thank you, Father, that you are good, that, that great is your faithfulness, that in spite of our flaws, in spite of our hangups, our mistakes, our setbacks, our sinful nature, our sinful acts, our sinful thoughts, that even our good works are oftentimes tainted with our selfish, selfishness. And so, Father, we thank you today for saving us. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And so, Father, we love you today. We honor you. We celebrate you. We hope you were blessed by the message today and would love to hear about how God is using this ministry in your life. You can connect with us online at outpouringorlando.com to share your story, request prayer, give financial support, or learn more about our ministry. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services if you're ever in the Orlando area. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a wonderful week.